Well, this past week, I did a bit of unscientific research. I went to my favorite online Bible concordance, and I put in the words, listen and talk. And the results were interesting. So here's the numbers for those of you keeping score at home. 195 scripture references to the word talk and 565 references to the word listen. Now, I'm not that great in math, but I think that's five to one pretty much, isn't it? That even in the scriptures, the numbers show that it's five to one listening over talking, which puts me kind of in a double bind just about now as a guy who's up here talking. I think that's why I included this quote in your bulletin, most of us prefer listening to a pastor or speaker rather than training ourselves to sit in quiet and listen to God. I don't know. We'll talk about that in a few moments. But we do. We live in a noisy, talking, chattering, soundbite society, this 24-7 news cycle, the stump speeches, there are talks on YouTube, there are sermons, there are seminars, and yes, these involve listening. But are we listening to the right things, and are we listening in the right way? Parker Palmer is a uh, Quaker author, and he makes this observation. Quote, I sometimes lead retreats, he writes, and from time to time participants show me the notes they're taking as the retreat unfolds. The pattern is nearly universal. People take copious notes on what the retreat leader says, and they sometimes take notes on the words of certain wise people in the group, but rarely, if ever, do they take notes on what they themselves say? And then he adds this. We listen for guidance everywhere except from within. There's this interesting passage in 1 John chapter 2, 26 and 27. I'm going to read it from the translation called The Message. And here's what John has to write. I've written to warn you about those who are trying to deceive you, not pastors, but they're no match for what is embedded deeply within you. Christ's anointing, no less. You don't need any of their so-called teaching. Christ's anointing teaches you the truth on everything you need to know about yourself and him, uncontaminated by a single lie. Live deeply in what you were taught. Now, we may not use the language, and some of you may or some of you may not use the language of anointing, but the truth remains we have within us this inward teacher, this living Christ who leads us in all things and teaches us all things, and we are invited to listen deeply so we can live deeply. And that is a Quaker thing. I get that. We talk about the inward guide, the inward teacher, but it's more than just a Quaker thing. It's, it's this spiritual reality that exists that the Scriptures attest to that each one of us, you and I, have within us now in the present, in this moment, this inward teacher and guide who speaks truth to us. And I've said it before, but here is what is real. That guide is much better for you as a whole because it's the only one who knows your condition better than anybody else. Now, I may know some of you a little bit better than others. I've been here 14 years. Some of you I know well. Some of you I know things I really don't want to know, but others I don't know that well. But still, from a human perspective, I can't speak to that condition as directly and in a penetrating fashion as the inward teacher can, who knows who you are. Listen 
to pastors, listen to speakers, listen to what you listen to, but are you listening within? Isaiah chapter 1, 2, and 3 that Joe read, Hear you heavens and listen earth, for the Lord has spoken. I just had that passage included because it seems to say, you know, all of creation is invited to listen. God has something to say. We come to know God and listen to God, and we listen deeply. And this is different from amassing more information about God. It's listening to how God speaks to our conditions. I remember a speaker uh, years ago making this comment, and this person did a lot of seminars, wrote a lot of books, but I'll never forget this one particular phrase. He said, we are educated way beyond our level of obedience. We are educated way beyond our level of obedience. In other words, we probably don't need more information. We just simply need to live into what we already know. Sometimes my, me wanting more information is just simply me a way of avoiding what I know I need to do and who I need to be. Psalm 81, 11, 13, again what Joe read, but my people wouldn't listen to my voice. Israel simply wasn't agreeable toward me, so I sent them off to follow their willful hearts. They followed their own advice. How I wish my people would listen to me. How I wish Israel would walk in my ways. You know, to possess this willful heart is to possess a heart that's stubborn. It's determined to do what one wants. To listen, to listen deeply is to come with this open heart, a heart that's willing to learn, to be shaped, to be changed, to be influenced. So maybe it's not just if I listen, which is important. It's in how I listen. So let me talk about that for a few moments. Listening isn't easy. It takes effort. It takes intention. It takes practice. Over the last few years, I've taken a, a few classes to be trained as a coach, not a basketball coach or a baseball coach, although that would be fun, and I've done that. This is the kind of coaching where you sit with folks and you, you listen to them and you help them move forward in their life. Now, the key part to that is listening. And I have found this to be one of the hardest, most challenging new practices for me to learn. Now, why do you suppose that is? What do you suppose? I'll tell you what I think. It's because I spend most of my time doing what? Talking, exactly. Not just here, a lot of places. And I have found that it has taken real intention on my part to just, as it says in the Bible, shut up and listen and be present. So I came across what was these four levels of listening not too long ago, and I found these fascinating. I'm going to approach this kind of in two ways. First of all, I want to approach it from a sort of relationship perspective, because I found it fascinating from that perspective, but then I want to approach it from the perspective of our spiritual journey. But this one writer talked about four levels of listening. The first level, he says, is cosmetic listening. Now, I was sharing these with Linda, and, and I was having to uh, show her examples of what each one was, and it, I got kind of worried because she recognized all of these in me. <laughs> cosmetic listening is pretty much known as pretending to listen. You're nodding, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah, yeah, that's interesting, but your attention is somewhere else. You know, you're making a meal and the kids are telling you a story. And while you're making the meal, the kids are telling you a story. You're going, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah, yeah. You're not hearing a word they're saying. And in some ways, this is not bad listening. In some ways, you may be with a person who they're just talking to talk. And so you're being polite, you're being cordial, but, it, cordial, but it's basically cosmetic listening. You're not hearing a word they're saying. 
There's conversational listening. And by the way, cosmetics also, when you've got the remote in your hand and you're watching the game in one eye and she's talking to you in the other or he's talking to you, she, and you're saying, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. Conversational listening is the kind of listening we do most of the time. We listen, we think, we talk. We listen, we think, we talk. We listen, we think, we talk. Our focus is both on what the other person is saying, but we're probably more focused on what we're going to say. So we're maybe 30 40 50% listening, but we're 50% thinking because we've got to share what we just thought about. So it's a little bit better than cosmetic listening, but you're still just not quite there yet. The next level, and you've heard of this before, is active listening. Okay? It's the listening that takes more effort and more focus. The person's listening. They're working hard to understand the other. They're reflecting back, paying attention to words, to tone, to body language, um, Sometimes it's not too hard to pick up on that. Sometimes you really got to pay attention. You're asking questions like, and I know it sounds kind of cliche-ish, but it's good. You kind of repeat back. So what I hear you saying is this. So what I understand you saying is this. You're actively involved in the listening process. But then the writer goes on to say there is this kind of deep listening. This is the kind of listening that has a sort of deep empathy to it. You're able to experience the person with a sense of who they are as well as what they're saying. In some ways, it's almost like you've been able to get inside their skin. You feel what they feel. Your mind is quiet and calm. Your awareness is focused on listening, and you're very present to what is being said. You're not just understanding. You're feeling it. You're experiencing it. In some ways, it sometimes brings you to emotion. You feel certain emotions, and you feel what they feel. That's deep listening. Now, one is not any worse than the other, I suppose. I suppose we want to move past cosmetic listening. We want to get past conversational. We want to get into active listening and deep listening. And it would be fun, I guess, and challenging for you in your relationships, in your marriages, to ask yourself the question, so what kind of listening do we do for each other? Do we do cosmetic listening? Do we do conver- I see the eyes looking at each other right now. You can't see them, but I see you right now. You're all just kind of staring each other down. So it's that, it's that look that he's talking to you look. I've seen that look before. No. But is it conversational? Is it cosmetic? Is it active? Is it deep? All right, so we'll just put this over here. This is not necessarily what this is about. But... As I thought about that, I thought often in my spiritual journey, I find that I usually engage in cosmetic listening or conversational listening. In my spiritual journey, when I'm doing cosmetic listening, I may be in worship. I may be in open worship. I got my head bowed. I got my eyes closed. But you know what? I'm just counting down sometimes. All right. Two more minutes left to go. All right. One more minute. Maybe 30 seconds left to go. How long should this be? or I'm thinking about what I'm going to do next. I'm just not present. It's cosmetic because everyone around me looks at me and thinks I'm in deep meditation. But I'm just pretending. Now, I say I. If any of you want to own that as well, you may. But how much of our listening during open worship, friends, for you is cosmetic? You're not present. You got your head bowed. You got your eyes closed. You may do this thing with the watch, but it's just cosmetic. 
Now, it's not a bad thing, but how much more present could we be? Sometimes my listening in my spiritual journey is conversational. I'm listening, but I'm thinking about what I'm going to say back to God, what I'm going to ask for, what I want to remind God, what I want to tell God, how I want to help God. I'm thinking all these things. It's sort of a conversational, and that's good to have a conversation with God. But again, I'm not really, really listening in a very deep way. Then there is, well, there is um, active listening, and that's better. When I think of my spiritual journey and active listening, I think that I'm listening with the intent to act on what God has told me. I'm listening with the intent to be faithful to how God has nudged me, to how God has, has uh, uh, spoken something into my life. There is an intent that when I hear it, when I feel that nudge, I'm going to act on it. For me, that's that form of active listening. And sometimes I do that well, and sometimes I don't. I will tell you this. The moments I have done that have been extremely powerful. And they haven't been these dramatic moments as much as call this person. Ask this person how they're doing. Be vulnerable and maybe lean into this conversation a little bit more. Ask this question. Put your arm around them. Ask them how they're doing. It always seems to be about people, by the way. Sometimes it's share this thought, share this idea. So what if they don't like it? It's your truth. Sometimes I lean into that kind of active listening, and it takes courage and vulnerability. I don't know, I can't speak for Joe, but I would imagine there was a nudge for Joe to get up and share about what he shared this morning. But then there's deep listening. And when I listen deeply, when I think about that in my spiritual journey, I think of the kind of listening where I begin to let go of my agenda and make myself available to the agenda of God. This is where I listen in a way that I not only want to understand, but I want, if I could, to feel what God feels. How does God feel about this? What would God say about this? What does God's kingdom feel about this? I listen in a deep way to my own life, to my own sense of self, to what's going on in my soul. One author, Nancy Bieber, writes this, Listening deeply, we can discover more and more who we truly are. When we live most fully who we are created to be, what we do takes its proper place. This means we acknowledge the Creator's authorship and we align ourselves with the God of love in the uniqueness of ourself. Which path we finally choose is of less important than that of alignment. In other words, when we listen deeply, we align ourselves with God in a way that probably we hadn't seen before. We hear God in a way that maybe we have not heard God before. So how does one listen deeply? Well, let me just share these real quickly. And I'll put it in the form of I, because I can only speak from that experience, and maybe some of it resonates with you. I listen deeply when I move beyond, as I said, this cosmetic conversational listening to active and deep listening. And I listen with the intent to act on what I hear. And I listen below the surface and I engage it at this soul level. The best image that came up for me was the ocean. You know, if you've ever been to the ocean, the waves are rocking and churning above. But if you dive down deep enough, it's what? It's still. It's calm. It's like a whole other world. And sometimes I have to dive deep below the surface to get away from the churning and the waves and the storm 
to just really hear what God says at this soul level and to do it with the intent to act on what I hear and what I sense and how God nudges. I listen deeply when I'm willing to have my perspective changed and my assumptions challenged to open myself up to a new way of seeing and understanding. Now, that's a hard kind of listening because often I don't want to have my assumptions challenged. I don't want them to be changed. I have a certain perception, and everybody else needs to change. But you know, in the Bible, Peter listened deeply on the roof in the book of Acts when God told him to accept the Gentile centurion when he gave him that vision of the unclean animals, and he said, eat. And all of a sudden, Peter realized nothing's unclean. Everyone is accepted. Peter listened deeply. Paul listened deeply regarding the Gentiles and making the gospel available to all the Gentile people. Abraham listened deeply and left, all, left everything that was familiar, and he ventured into the unknown. Mary listened deeply when she was willing to be part of God's immense purpose to clothe the divine in human flesh. All these people listened deeply, and they had their perspectives changed and their assumptions challenged. I listen deeply when I'm willing to welcome and feel all that I'm experiencing and all that I'm feeling to listen to my emotions, that those things that bring me joy, those things that bring me sorrow, that which frustrates me, that which pleases me, that which makes me irritable and angry, or that which brings me contentment, to listen to my fears, or that which brings me assurance. That's listening deeply. I shared this in the 10 a.m. class, uh, but just as an example, this past weekend, uh, Friday into Saturday, and Linda and I had this conversation last night, when we were finally kind of bringing both our churning selves away from everything and just sitting down as we were went out to eat. And I just finally said to her, I said, I don't know what it's been, but all day, Friday and even to this day, I have just been irritable. I've been angry. And then Linda says, I have been too. And I said, well, it's your fault. No, I didn't. <laughs> and you're buying. But for me... The reason I share that is there would have been a point in my life where I would have never have owned up to that. And sometimes I still don't. But what I would have done was I would have tried to find people to blame, situations to blame, circumstances to blame, life, this, whatever the case may be, rather than asking myself the question, what's going on here? Why am I feeling this irritability? Why am I feeling this anger? And I began to discover some things about myself, which just are personal things, But I began to realize that there was a part of me which I had not heard or paid attention to that needed attention. By the way, our emotions and feelings, when they come up, a lot of times it's just our life screaming at us saying, I want attention. I want attention. When we don't pay attention to our soul, it will ask for attention. And we can do one of two things. (laughs) We can say to it, what do you have to say? Or we can say to it, shh, be quiet. And we just keep going on. So I listen deeply when I'm willing to listen to what my life is telling me about who I am and who I need to become. And I'm listening deeply, especially when I listen to the patterns of my life. And when I say the patterns of my life, am I I feeling energized? Am I procrastinating? Am I putting myself out there and showing up in a way that I'm my true self, or am I hiding behind a false self and not sharing my truth? 
am I being more critical and negative and in some ways sarcastic, or am I open to a sense of gratitude? Am I, uh, am I feeling competitive with people, or am I willing to collaborate? See, for me, all these are patterns, and as I listen deeply to my life, I have to ask myself the question, what do these patterns tell me? And as I thought about it this morning, I was sitting right here, and during open worship, because I was trying to move beyond cosmetic and conversational to really listen, I really heard deep within my soul these words, and I wrote them down. Quit trying to force life. Quit trying to force life. And I realized as I was sitting there, that in part was a lot of my agitation and my irritability for this weekend. I just tried to force life. I want to force people to be something they're not, I want to force this circumstance to be something it isn't. Sometimes I want to force myself to be someone I'm not yet. Rather than just living into the present moment and accepting the moment as a gift and living into it, and as I'm living into it, asking myself, who am I to be in this place? Now, that it's not for you. You can take it if you want, but that's not for you. That's what I heard from me. And as I sat there, I really began to just feel a little bit of freedom, a little bit of contentment. I don't have to force life, just live into it. In that one moment that I chose to listen deeply. We'll share this one thought, and then we'll take a few moments. This is from John Woolman. He's a Quaker from way back, about the 1800s. Spent his time working among friends, helping to free slaves and sharing God's leadings upon his life. And here's what he had to write in his journal. Dig deep. Carefully cast forth the loose matter and get down to the rock, the sure foundation. And there hearken to the divine voice, which gives a clear and certain sound. Dig deep. Listen deeply.